One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host, Liam, at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And today I am joined to talk about the 2022 tight end season by Nathan or at Nate the Saint FF on Twitter. Uh, he's a five yard writer for both Dynasty and he's done a few bits for the redraft. And I know that he's into his IDP as well. So he's probably done something there as well. But he's also a co host across the pond. Uh, that is the at across the pond RW podcast. So, Nate, how are you doing? How are you? How you been? Yeah, thanks, Liam. Yeah, no, be, been good. Uh, it's obviously been um, uh, been l- an exciting phase in the playoffs. Um, sorry, Liam, the echo, the echo is coming back. It's coming back really okay. sadly. You, you um, go for it. I'll try and figure it out. But yeah, no, um, it's been the, the playoffs have been really good. Uh, so it will be it'll be exciting to see the Super Bowl in two weeks. Yeah, Super Bowl in two weeks, as you said, that's that's kind of nuts. We we went through a long off season. Season went too quickly, but it's actually like a good portion of the year. It's about half the year of the playing season, so it's it's nuts that the Super Bowl is here. Do you have any plans uh, in two weeks? Nothing planned yet. Obviously, I've got a few friends uh, in the local league. I obviously live uh, in London, so we're going to try and meet up for the game. There are a few pubs that are offering uh, sort of deals to show it a little bit later. Um, but no, yeah, hopefully a few of us will get together and, uh, and, and watch the game. It'll be obviously a late night here in London, but it'll be good. It'll be good. It will be, yeah. Um, I, I saw that there's been a severe lack of um Super Bowl parties posted on Twitter and on a on Facebook. So uh, I hope that 
people have still found their ways around London and the surrounding areas um, all over the UK to find their Super Bowls. I've got um, plans with my dad and a few mates. We're just going to watch it um, over at one of their houses, just have a chilled out session rather than what I did last year, which is me and Chloe went down to London for the Warrior Bowl and Five Yard Rush um, get together. So that that was quite fun. But this year, a little bit more chilled out and a, a lot more TGI snacks on the uh, on the table because you can get them from Ireland, apparently. I've not tried yeah. them yet. Yeah. No good. I think yeah, it's going to be a festive, festive evening all around the world, or obviously, especially in the UK and the US. But um, it's exciting. I, I'm rooting for the Eagles, and and, and I hope uh, I hope Jalen Hurts can uh, can can sort of tick a, tick a box. And that's nothing against the Chiefs. I just I like what the Eagles have done as a franchise. Yeah, I'm completely with you. And my dad's an Eagles fan, so I'm sure he'd kill me if I didn't say I was rooting for the Eagles. But it, if the Packers aren't in it, then yeah, I'm I'm an Eagles fan, unfortunately, for those listening. Um Nathan, as you know, we always go with a guest interview just to introduce you. I mean, we've already seen you on the podcast before, so it's not your debut, but how long have you been playing fantasy football? Sure. Uh, Liam, so it's, it's now, I would say, five full seasons. Um, I sort of started in just a in just a home league sort of redraft with sort of NFL.com and, and did that for two years. Then during sort of the COVID lockdown period, I think uh, a lot of the world got really online and, and very sort of involved in Twitter and that sort of area. So I picked up, I went from essentially two redraft leagues to suddenly about 10, 15 dynasty leagues yeah. and then had to sort of bring it down again and uh, and now so I'm sort of I've controlled it down now to about I would say eight leagues of which it's sort of diversified so we've got about two redraft and a few IDP but yeah for about five full seasons now and yourself Liam you've you've obviously been been a bit of more of a veteran I actually I'm going to surprise you and I'm not um you actually followed my career arc in fantasy pretty similarly uh, uh, five years ago, I, I always know how far I'm in because I know uh, Saquon Barkley. I took him in the second round because no one wanted to take him um, in his rookie year because no one knew how, what he was going to be like. And he ended up, he and uh, Alvin Kamara took me through to my rookie championship. So I'll always remember that. But um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting to know that you see me as a veteran and yet I've been playing fantasy football <laughs> for the same amount of time. No, I, th- I think I think I'm going to similar. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar boat to you. I think you just assume people have been in it a long time, but it is quite a quite a in its infancy. I, I remember my first draft in the home league, and I think I had the 103 or the 104. And about five six years ago, and I took uh, Shady McCoy when he was playing the Bills, thinking this was the thing, and uh, and that turned out terribly, and I learned the hard way. <laughs> that's, that's always the way, though. Um, Nathan, you obviously produce fantasy football content for Five Yards. You're a co-host for the Across the Pond podcast. How did you get into creating that content and and gracing the Twitter landscape? Yeah, so going back to sort of um, COVID lockdown, obviously a lot of us got involved in Twitter um, and just I was I was more a consumer of content originally and just sort of reading articles and working on my sort of knowledge. And then what happened was um, 
I sort of reached out to the five yard rush uh, guys and, and I, and I loved what you guys were doing, uh, the articles that you're putting together. And I just wanted to be involved in discussion really. And um, so, so then I, I sort of reached out to yourself and I reached out to, um, I think it was Rich Dynasty Island at, at a stage. And then fortunately there were just a few options, a few openings. And then I, I ended up obviously helping Rob uh, on the redraft side of things with sort of a fantasy focus, looking at three or four matchups every week during the season from week one to week 17 and just sort of pinpointing sort of the the, the pros and the cons and the offensive side and, and, and any sort of uh, fantasy opportunities from week to week. But yeah, it, it's still really very much in its infancy, but it's something that uh, I enjoy sort of sharing an opinion, but at the same time, obviously consuming that uh, that content too. I mean, we're, we're glad that you've uh, come along and joined us for the ride. Uh, I'm going to move over to the t- uh, the brain teaser that I ended last week's session on. Um, so that was, because um, we did the wide receiver um, breakdown, it is a wide receiver question. It was a lot easier than the previous ones. Uh, it is a name you probably have heard of more than once in a season. So I'm going to throw it over to you first, see whether you can give us a give us the answer if not then i'll reveal it but nathan which wide receiver did i have to exclude from the top uh, the top 12 sorry wide receivers in points per game because they didn't play enough games and i'll give you a hint the minimum was four points uh four games sorry so he played less than four games michael thomas maybe but yeah, it obviously... bang on. I hope you got that because he was a saint as well. <laughs> yeah, bang on. If you got Michael Thomas, that is your answer. Yeah, um, no. Was... Go on, sorry. No, yeah. Obviously, um, the season, as a Saints fan, the season started pretty optimistically or maybe wish wishfully i would say opposed to optimistically and um and obviously he, he got off to a great start in the first two three games and then we never saw him again which was a shame but um the the excuse me the silver lining from that is obviously uh, a larvae sort of breakup but but yeah shame yeah. about uh, thomas you know i had thomas in one league and i tried to sell him for those first three weeks and couldn't get a bite and that was that was a shame because i couldn't get anything else after him he started in between um, Amon Rossent Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. If my memory serves me right, that puts him around um, wide receiver nine in points per game. So um, there's your answer. And as usual, stay tuned to the end because I have a um, wide receiver tight end um, brain teaser this week. So let's move straight into the top 12 uh, points per game. As usual, I used four four games minimum, but luckily I didn't have to exclude anyone this week. Just Michael Thomas out of this entire series, which is quite interesting. Um, So I use PPR and I only used weeks 1 to 17 because, as I always say, week 18 is probably the week that you shouldn't be playing fantasy football in. Players sit all the time and you'll probably get into the playoffs with, say, Josh Allen or someone along those lines and they end up sitting because there's nothing to play for. Didn't happen this this year um, across the board for a lot of players, but it does normally happen. Anyway, I'm going to go through the top 12 quickly and then we'll recap. So 1 through 12 um, in this order. So you've got Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, 
and Zach Ertz, which a lot of you have probably just raised your eyebrows about, but he was really good for, 12, uh, for 10 games of this season um, until he got injured and went on IR. Then Evan Engram, Pat Fryermuth, Darren Waller, again, a lot of eyebrows probably just went off. He played eight games and he was the tight end nine um, in points per game because he did so well um, during those nine games. Or I say he did so well. He did well. Uh, David Njoku, tight end 10. Tyler Higby, tight end 11. And Dalton Schultz, tight end 12. So there are a few there, Nathan, that played less than a season. But before we dive in, how many of these tight ends from the top 12 do you think had 16 games in this season? So that's a full season. So how many of the top 12 played played 16 games? Correct, yeah. Um, wow. Um, I would I would say maybe two, and I'd uh, and I'd be sort of. I'm pretty sure Kelsey played the full season, and then I would have thought Frymuth played quite a bit, but I'm not sure if it's. It might just be one, but I I would say two. You got it right with two, but you didn't get the two names. So you got Travis Kelsey; he did play 16 games, and TJ Hawkinson still played 16 games even though he was traded mid-season. So we may as well start there at Travis Kelsey. We've already mentioned him multiple times. He's undoubtedly the tight end one for redraft. But I want to know where you have him in uh, Dynasty at the moment, Nathan, because let, let's look at him as a whole. He, he's 33 years old currently, and he will be going into the season. He'll be turning 34 during the 2023 season. He's the same age as when Gronk retired um, for the second time. Let's point that out. He, he Gronk retired at 33 um, last season. So same age. And Tony Gonzalez, however, um, still was active for another three to four years when you put it onto Kelsey's timeline. He was active to 37, 38. So what do you foresee for Travis Kelsey? Because right now, if you could guarantee three years on Kelsey's um, on Kelsey's current career and trajectory, he's undoubtedly the tight end one in Dynasty. But because he's just got that that surprise retirement kind of factor into it, I think everyone's kind of discounting him. He was DLF ADP in August was tight end three. It's still tight end three um, even now, I believe. Yeah, it's still tight end three. So. Where do you have him? Do you have him at tight end three and agree with consensus? I, I I still think I still think you you have him at at tight end one. Um, I think I I do hear you in the concerns with age, but I still feel his 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 asset value and his floor is so high that should, you won't lose value. In my opinion, you won't value taking him one because should you go through half the season and you do find yourself in a dynasty league where your team is struggling and it might be you might be in a position to look to go younger he will still have that elite trade value and i think any team that is pushing for a title whether that is you at the time or whether that's one of your competitors in the league kelsey would will be an absolute trump card so even even though his age and those sort of question, or that's that is the only question mark, his age and whether he's going to retire. Yeah. And I think as long as he's linked to Mahomes, I I can't, I, I just I, I can't not have him at number one and just on in on his own in his own level. 
he's currently the oldest tight end being drafted by Dynasty um, players, according to DLF ADP. And that's by a whole year. The the next youngest is a whole year younger than him. Um, I'm frantically clicking buttons to find out who it is. So that's Zachers, Taysom Hill, um, both both um, 32, around the same year, uh, the same yeah. date of birth. Um, Kelsey, so he is old in terms of tight ends, but I think he's still in his prime. He's not slowing, or he's not showed lines of slowing down. I know that there is a bit of concern around his back um, going into the weekend games. Um, so that is the championship weekend games. So maybe we do see a bit of slowing down from him, but I, I've got him as tight end one. I can't not have him as tight end one while he's producing nearly 20 points per game on average which is nuts yeah it's it's, it's crazy you you, you can't you can't compare and i think um i think the extreme barren land of the tight end position as well inflates his value even more in the sense that uh, look if if he was competing with the wide receivers then by all means you could probably be looking to fade him but because to me there aren't there aren't or there are no other tight ends in his bracket in my opinion in terms of production in terms of consistency there are obviously a few younger guys that we'll get to that are showing incredible promise who could well who could well have an argument to be higher than him in dynasty but at the same time they will have much bigger and and much and many more question marks uh surrounding them in my opinion yeah so let's move on to one of those younger um tight ends and when i say younger i mean He's just younger than Travis Kelsey, which is all of the tight ends. Um, but TJ Hawkinson, tight end two on the on the year. Um, that was both in points per game and season-long scoring because he played all 16 games, the only other tight end other than Kelsey to do so this season. Um, what's interesting to me is that he was the tight end two, even though he had a trade during the season, between weeks one to eight, where he was on the Lions, he was a tight end four overall and in points per game. Weeks nine to 17, where he was on the um, Minnesota Vikings, still tight end two for both um, during that time. So I think at the start of the season, you could quote me saying that TJ Hawkinson has the most talent and is the most likely from the, the rest of the tight ends to jump up into that elite tier that was then five um, tight ends, which was Kelsey, Kittle, Pitts. Um, Andrews and Waller and it looks like he's kind of made that jump but do we expect him to stay like that? Now Irv Smith who was there got injured and probably prompted that trade go through and he is a free agent at the end of this year so that's going to be Hawkinson's role going forward with the Vikings so do you see him as this top elite tight end because I know ADP does right now I yeah I I tend to I do tend to agree I think um I think it, a lot will sort of depend on on what they do with that offense I think obviously they had sort of the perfect storm the Vikings by by the NFC the NFC uh, North sort of stuttering a bit obviously the Packers had an off year um the, the Bears with the 101 pick um and the Lions obviously rallied really late so so the Vikings sort of cruise and, and they're riding one of the best offensive players in the game with Justin Jefferson. So I think he's, he, he is in a perfect 
situation where he's sort of the the wide receiver two slash slash third option here for Kirk Cousins. Um, he's got a very accurate quarterback, although not razzle dazzle. He ticks the boxes and he gets the job done. Um, it's a sh- it's a shame that the Vikings didn't uh, turn up. In, in sort of the wild card round against the, I think it was the Giants. Um, but at the same time, I do, I, I, I do like Hawkinson again for next year or for this year now, 2023 going into, uh, into next season. And, and, and I do think he'll keep his level. Whether he's still that elite here, I think he's on the cusp. He's, he's, he is there with your Kittles, uh, and, and maybe your, and obviously your Pitzes when, when he comes back from injury. Uh, but yeah, I think he's still, he's still clearly off the pace of Kelsey, but, but he's definitely, I think he's got a, a, a solid ceiling. I think that's the key thing with this is we've seen Kelsey kind of take a step, well, not even take a step forward, but create a gap between him and everyone else. Um, I mean, we've seen it over the years, and I think people are trying to put people, put other players with Kelsey, hoping that they'll get there. But I just don't think that's going to happen until Kelsey slows down. Um, I think we're kind of hoping that someone does, and maybe Kyle Pitts is that guy to do that in in another year's time when he's got another year under his belt, and an actual quarterback that can throw in the ball. Um, accurately and um, have some sort of scheme around him as well as uh, Drake London there. But it's not Kyle Pitts' turn. Um, it is CJ Hawkinson's turn. He is a tight end four in January ADP for DLF. Um, he's only 25. He'll be turning 26 going into the next season, I believe. So he he has all the hallmarks to be um, a reliable tight end option. And I think that the way that I'm doing my rankings now is Kelsey, number one, as a tier on his own, and then you've got the tier underneath, which is Andrews. Uh, and I'm even putting Hawkinson into that tier because he's proven to me now that he can be that level and he can be consistent at that level as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the big thing as well is that when you're thinking of a startup draft, uh, especially in Dynasty, as opposed to sort of mid, mid-season or, or mid uh, dynasty through a couple of seasons in the startup draft i think we are going to start to see a huge transition um to elevating the value of wide receivers and i think uh, because the wide receivers are tending to hit a lot more and becoming a lot more productive i can see this second tier of tight ends sliding a little bit and i think that's where you can possibly look to get value is is you might be getting People taking obviously your Alaves and your your Elijah Moors and some of these young, even your Jameson Williamses, they'll be thinking of these younger wide receivers when they're going to break out ahead of your tight end too. So if you do start sleeping on on your Hawkinsons and your Kittles, I do think they might start. We might see their their overall ADP sort of fall in in drafts and startups, but I do still see their their value in terms of the tight end position. So the last guy that I really wanted to talk about in this top 12 um, is George Kittle, and that is the tight end three. Um, I didn't mean to go one, two, three, but here we are. Um, And this is just more for a warning than anything else. I mean, I don't know whether you're on my wavelength or not here, Nathan, but um, I just have this really weird feeling about George Kittle that I can't explain too much because the numbers don't fully back it up, but at the same time, they kind of show an indication of that. I, I, I'm just worried about the QB position going forward. 
he was okay with Purdy there. He was also um, he'd also go quiet for games. He was much better with Purdy than he was with uh, Jimmy G. But that could be said with the whole offense there. Um, when he was with Lance, small sample size. There's only five games, but he did drop. Um, he had the same amount of targets, but he ended up having three point five fancy points less, and he was a five to twenty four sp- split games wise. So it's not a hugely small amount, but it's also not a big amount. That being said, I can understand why people want to buy in on Kittle. I just think that he's a sell at the moment, and I sold him for a late first in a Titan Premium League um, to a contender going for the playoffs. And I I wasn't too worried about that. I was quite happy that I managed to get that. Um, Where do you sit on George Kittle? How do you feel about him? So so just to use your example there, I, I I think I would be a buyer instead of the kettle because I do I do hear all your concerns and I think that's what you can use to leverage his price and I think if you are in a situation in a dynasty league where your team is thinking about contending next year maybe you're a piece or two away I do think you can use the narrative of Lance Purdy maybe Tom Brady who knows who's going to be standing under center at the start of the season for the 49ers um I think Kittle is is a huge part in San Francisco. And I think even with all their weapons that surround them, your Ayukes, your your Debos, your CMCs, your Elijah Mitchells, I still think Kittle is... Sort of backtracking, I I do agree with you. I'm thinking he's he's becoming a bit of a, a boom or bust, but I do think he still has... He, we, we will see him in the top five tight ends, if not top three tight ends next year, provided he stays fit. And that's why I do think if, if you are looking for a piece to maybe push you over the top, maybe the QB uncertainty might help you buy him at a cheap, at a discounted price. But at the same time, if you are in a, in a more conservative position in your dynasty league, I would I would be wary of that QB position because, as you say, that could go that could genuinely go either way. Well, when I look at his split with Brock Purdy, it suddenly gets a lot better. So for reference, he had 11 points per game, um, PPR points, that is, when he had Lance in for those five games. So not a huge amount. But with, with Purdy, he has 17 PPR points. So, yes, there's a massive gap there. But do you foresee Purdy taking that job from Lance? I think that's the biggest question. If you see Purdy taking the job from Lance and you think Kittle's going to be the guy there, um, as in for tight ends, then he's a buy. But if he's not and you kind of think Lance is going to be the takeover and you don't think he's going to gel with Lance, he's a sell. He he, he seems to be a polarising guy, especially with his upside. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I think he's definitely a guy that if you're doing startups now, um, I think you do err on the side of slight precaution. Um, but as soon as you, as soon as we do get more information on what will inevitably happen at the quarter, quarterback position, which again I don't expect that to be anytime soon. That's going to be a, a sort of preseason battle. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's a full on Purdy Lance fight for the fight to the death. Or who knows, Kyle Shanahan might be fed up and say let's just bring in a vet to to take this over because they got that far with Mr. Irrelevant. Surely if it's anyone else, you win the whole thing next time. So. Yeah, I think I think keep close eye on that San Francisco quarterback situation. Um, 
but yeah, if, if you are doing startups now, I do, I do, I do agree with you that you just need to be a bit conservative kettle, and and maybe there are some other better options out there that that are cheap options as well in startups as well. Yeah, so Sam has mentioned in the chat that um, Trey Lance will be starting at the end of next season. So I don't think he'll like your veteran take there, but I do think that, um, that there's definitely a competition going to happen. Whoever start, whoever ends up starting at the end of the season, I don't know. Um, so Nathan, who in the top 12 that I've already mentioned, obviously, do you really want it? did you really want to talk about is there a guy that really appealed to you that we've not spoken about so far so i'm gonna i'm gonna speak of a guy to sort of i was incredibly impressed by him and i think he sort of came from nowhere but i think he's going to go back to nowhere and that's evan ingram um i i was obviously he, i think everyone everyone obviously when he was at the giants everyone was very hopeful uh for his production and it was very sort of hit and miss um obviously with with daniel jones at the time i think the giants were just coached quite poorly and 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 they struggled to to be very offensively effective and they and they were very dependent on their wide receivers as opposed to their tight end i think ingram obviously turns up in Jacksonville, sort of clean slate. Let's see what it's like with this next prodigy quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And something's clicked there. And it was more sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, closer towards the end of the season, I seem to remember that um, Evan Ingram sort of hits his strides. Um, he sort of had that in, I think it was week 14 against the Titans. He had sort of two touchdowns. Week 13 against the Lions, he had his touchdown. So four of his his touchdowns came from week eight to the end of the season. So it was sort of the click, but in 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 the same narrative here, what I will say is that Calvin Ridley, we mustn't forget he's coming back from a suspension next year for the Jacksonville Jags. And I think this target share, we mustn't get too overhyped on Evan Ingram, um, because I don't think it will be sustainable when when Ridley gets into town. That's just my opinion, really. I mean, during those weeks, Evan Engram was the tight end once that's between weeks 13 and 17. Um, when you look at an average, he's still tight end one uh, points per game during that time. So are you understand where you're coming from. You also said four of his touchdowns came from week 18, oh, from week eight onwards, sorry. That was all of his touchdowns for the year. It was just four. So I get where you're coming from. Um, I was massively hyping up. Um, Engram, he had a four-game stretch earlier on in the season between weeks uh, five to eight. He had, a, he had a good stretch there as well. But my concern is more that he's a free agent at the end of the year because we don't know what he's going to do, where he's going to end up. I think that Jacksonville was a great um, offense to come into. There was no real target hog there. I know Kirk became that to, towards the end of the season. But I think that Engram is a is a guy that benefited from that coaching staff as well. We've seen Doug Peterson with Zach Ertz for years um, feed tight ends the ball, and he he did the same with Dallas Goddard. Well, they have both there, and I think that Engram did benefit a lot from that coaching staff. If you can sell him now, I I don't even know why to sell him for at this point. Um, but looking at his ADPs going as tight end eight, I think that if you can get an early second for that. Yeah, I, I would I, almost say if you can get any, any second. Any yeah. Second maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I think tight end is just such a wasteland right now. And if someone hasn't caught on to that contract situation, if you can get a, a mid to early second, I'd probably sell Ingram. I would 
The only thing I don't agree with your take on is you said that he came out of nowhere. He was the tight end five or four, one of the two in his rookie season. That's not nowhere. He, that's showing ceiling. And that's that's a big part of why I thought he was going to break out this year or say break out, return to some return. more value. So, um, so yeah, I, that's the only part I disagree with. However, I do agree with everything else you said. It is a, a massive um a massive slider of what could happen in Evan Engram's career. Um, another guy I wanted to talk about, Nathan, I don't know whether this is one of the guys that you wanted to talk about, is Darren Waller. So I mentioned he only played eight games. He ended as the tight end 30 across the entire season, or weeks one to um, 17, but still ended as tight end nine in points per game for those games that he did play in. Biggest questions again, not surrounding his free agency, because he's not a free agent, but around the quarterback situation, because no one knows what the Raiders are going to do at quarterback. There's a lot of Tom Brady um, rumours. I'm not sure how true they are. There's a lot of Aaron Rodgers um, rumours at the moment. Again, I'm not sure how big they are. But what do you foresee for Waller? Because he's still got that upside, but I think it's kind of being slept on at the moment with where he ended up at the end of the season. Yeah, look, I think... Um... The reality is they're either getting a a slightly older veteran um, who you would still has elite game management, uh, or you're getting a rookie who has the polar opposite with very little experience where it's going to be a lot of controlled uh, game uh, script. And I think both of those schemes tend to actually fit a tight end well um, because you've got someone like Brady hypothetically speaking, or even a Rogers who, who who can pick out their passes. So Waller could could re sort of find this form. And if he's able to stay fit, especially with the with also to to say with the rookie quarterback, I think he could become another important player. And I think he will tend to keep his value. I think they've done well. Foster Moreau also sort of uh, sort of clawed and, and took a lot of the snaps. And Foster Moreau was still productive without Waller. So I think that role in itself um, with uh, McDaniel's, I think it has a role there. So I would I would tend to say Waller is a keep, if not as you say, buy at discount with QB sort of uncertainty. Um, and I do see him if he stays fit. As you say, it's, it's crazy to think he ended the the tight end nine and he played almost half a season. There, there's no ways to me he he falls. Uh, into sort of irrelevance. He he will definitely be up there, tight end six, uh, possibly even pushing higher, I think, um, depending on obviously who they draft and what the quarterback situation is. Uh, if they do get a bridge quarterback, that would be my only concern. If it is, if if it, if it's a really poor acquisition, a quarterback would be my only real worry. I mean, he was tight end nine in points per game, but it, it, I struggle with why he's currently going as tight end 10 in um, in ADP for January. I, I think that it just comes down to a perception. Um, what have you done from a lately kind of situation with players, especially in Dynasty? One thing I will say with Waller is he's 30. Um, so he will be going into the next season as 30. But bigger concern is his contract so he did sign an extension um during last season i believe it was but that extension after 2023 he can be cut for the minimum is 12 million or 11 and a half million on the cap 
each of the three years following, so that's 24 to 26. I think that's quite scary in terms of the Raiders always like to give these type of deals out and be able to um, turn their offense around at any point. I mean, we saw it at the start of this season, um, both myself and Rich, the former co-host of the show, um, were mentioning that everyone on the offense could be cut at the, se- at the end of the season and they could start afresh. Not that they would, but they could with the way that they were structured the contract. So he's, a, he's an interesting one. Um, Nathan, is there anyone else that you wanted to talk about from the top 12 uh, by points of game or do you want to move on to the next segment? Yeah, I, th- I think we can. I think I think in Joku's maybe a, maybe and very briefly, let's sort of just hit hit uh, in Joku. I think in Joku sort of has been hyped up for quite a while, and I think I'm trying to think when I first sort of half fell in love with him was I think one of the hard knock seasons where where I sort of break out at the Browns when the Browns were were really weak, and you just sort of liked his character, and and I sort of always paid a close attention, and he had good weeks, and he and he struggled for consistency. He seemed to find a better rhythm when Watson sort of got into his into sort of his his period at the end of the season, and I think he will be important there in Cleveland because. I think uh, they've obviously got Amari Cooper uh, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, two quite big athletic receivers already. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Njoku will be will be a tight end that you can get at a discount. You're going to pick him up uh, towards the end, sort of tight end 12, tight end 13. Um, and, and I think that will be solid value for, for sort of a tight end streamer towards the end of the draft. I mean, he had a stretch between weeks three and seven where he was no worse than his tight end 17. Um, he was the tight end 14 once during that stretch, and then all of that, the rest of that was tight end six and above. So he's got that upside. He was tight end two on the week in week 14, which is the first week he played with Deshaun Watson in live football. Um, again, he, he has that upside, but he also is a massive bust um, candidate every week during the um, three-week stretch where he did have Watson and they had those struggles with the offense um, between weeks 15 and 17 he was tight end 26 at best so he does have that upside he also has the downside so I think that with Watson taking a step forward next season remember Deshaun Watson um, we're talking about the player not the person we're going to ignore all of that personal side but the player himself is going to take a step forward because he hasn't played for two years. So I, I definitely think that that's coming. Um, and I think Njoku is going to be a guy that really steps up with that um, Deshaun Watson step up. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. So 
let's look at the next segment, which is lining up outside. So this is outside the top 12. Um, wanted to try play on words there. I don't know whether you understood that. Um, I don't know whether it made anyone laugh, but probably not because I'm not that funny. So Kyle Pitts is the first one we spoke about. That is tight end one in August DLF ADP. Um, he's still going as tight end one, even though he didn't do very well this season when he did play. Um, I don't, as I said earlier, don't think it was much of his fault, but we still are here with his value, maybe dropping a slight bit, but he's, his rank has stayed the same. Um, where do you see Kyle Pitts going forward? Do you think that he's going to take a step next season? Look, he's he's an athletic freak. He, he ticks all the boxes um, on paper. He ticks all the boxes on paper. Um, he had a pretty good rookie year, although it was so starting. I, I still need to see more of him as a, as a red zone uh, champion and someone who's getting more red zone targets in order for him to deserve being tight end one in, in Dallas, is my opinion. I think he has the talent. I think he's good enough. Um, so to me, it's 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 the red zone opportunities, which again, he's had a whole season out now with with sort of an injury or the majority of this last season. So next year, and and hopefully this off season, there'll be a bit more clarity in what's going to happen in Atlanta at quarterback, because that's the other big question mark: is are they going to run it with Ritter? Which I almost assume that they will do. Um, at the same time, there are a lot of handy uh, free agent quarterbacks on the move this year. So we could well see a veteran possibly moving into that role, or at least the, the Falcons. We obviously know that, like the Saints, they were also in for Deshaun Watson when that whole uh, saga was going on. So they weren't necessarily sold. That was before they got rid of Matt Ryan. Mariota's clearly out the front door, it seems. So I do think a lot will depend on Ritter, which... Again, to me, I don't think that justifies Kyle Pitts' tight end one. So, to me, Kyle Pitts is a long-term play. And 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 if you if you're really going young and you are really going sort of, I want to win my dynasty league in two three years. Fine, because I would like to think he gets there, but I, I just haven't seen enough of him actual production uh, to say that that why shouldn't I take T.J. Hawkinson over Kyle Pitts right now? Oh, that's spicy. I don't know whether the dynasty community is ready for that. Taking taking Hawkinson over Pitts, that's an interesting take. Um, I personally don't agree, and that is just because I think Pitts has that upside of being elite like Kelsey. But as you said, it's going to be in a few years' time. I do think that you'll probably wait until the end of next season to see that jump, and that's it. Um, but with that being said, he's still maintaining... A good value here and um, I'd be tempted to look at selling him based on what his current value is um, or maybe when you get into the season and he's actually scoring points I think that would probably make more sense but I still think you've still got a bit of a uh, bit of exploring to do with Kyle Pitts now I wanted to come to a guy Nathan that is on your Saints um He's a guy that kind of shocked a lot of people, if not everyone. It's Juwan Johnson. Um, I know that Paul, one of the dynasty writers for us, was talking all the way through the early off season, uh, all the way through the early season, to basically say, "Pit this guy up. He, he's going to do well." I don't think anyone really thought he'd do well for the entire season, but he did. Um, he had a lot of touchdowns, but he was undrafted in August. Um, 
I think that's quite the quite the achievement to go from undrafted in Dynasty to relevant. He was tight end 10 in season finish across all 17 weeks and tight end 16 points per game. We always see this um, every few years or every year near enough that we see one or two undrafted tight ends become relevant in some way, shape or form. I'm going to hand it over to you because it's your team. You know what you're talking about with this one. Um, and I want you to have the monologue on this one. What do you <laughs> see with Johnson next year? Look, I I was I was so pleased to see John Johnson break out the way he did this year, and and the Saints were desperate after we lost uh, Michael Thomas, as, as we sort of spoke briefly earlier early in the season. There and 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 Landry was a very disappointing addition because he really didn't kick on, was very injury prone. Um, the Saints were desperate, and I think the the hype of of James Winston and and we're going to be this this gunslinging offense and and go for broke new coach as well Dennis Allen um look he's obviously been in coaching before but sort of head coach of the Saints and there was a lot of upbeat that quickly fizzled out in the Saints it was an incredibly disappointing season f- compared to what we've experienced the last five six seven year period obviously that the majority of that was during the Peyton and and Breeze era which is now reality for Saints fans and and like myself it's 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 quite a worrying position to be in we've got uh, we we have the biggest deficit in terms of cap space we're about 50 million over the cap still we don't have a franchise quarterback we don't have a first round pick we've got a, 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 a head coach now who failed somewhere and is really struggling to sort of get the get the get the ball rolling uh, in New Orleans, so I, I don't know, but but the one one of the silver linings along with the larvae is John Johnson, and I think he had an incredibly good important role to play in our offense because he he became our leading sort of red zone receiver, and I think he some of those um, touchdown catches that he pulled off were incredibly impressive for a guy, um, and I am optimistic that he can maintain that my my sort of devil's advocate to this argument though is that he only passed 50 yards in one game all season 50 receiving yards so from weeks one to 16 his best receiving uh yard game was the falcons in week 15 where he had 67 receiving yards on four receptions but apart from that he he did hit 40 consistently he had 40 yards in one two three, four, five, six, seven games. So he he has he clearly has shown that he's got a bit of a flaw. But I I do worry that as soon as those touchdowns do dry up, and if they do dry up, if Michael Thomas is fit, maybe that's a big if. But if Michael Thomas is fit next year, or or if the Saints go in and have a fit Landry, or if Kamara sort of has a better year, then that position will become very quickly irrelevant again in 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 your leads. Um but at the same time, I just want to appreciate what he did do this year. And I did think he was relevant. I just, I would have huge concerns. Even as a Saints fan, I'm, I'm not very high on him next year. I mean, we mentioned pre-draft, uh, pre-show draft when we were talking about him, that he is a restricted free agent going into next year. So the Saints will probably sign him to a very, very cheap deal. You don't have to pay restricted free agents much. Um so he he'll probably be saying on the Saints, and you've got all of those questions that Nathan. Yeah, um, that's if we right. can afford him. <laughs> <laughs> that's if you can afford him. Yeah, I, I'd be worried if you can afford a random million for a guy like him. But 
And let's move on to Greg Dorsich now. This is a guy that Rich, um, the previous co-host for Five Yard Dynasty, was massively high on um, coming out of last year. He was uh, my version of Jelani Woods. Um, I was my tight end two was Jelani Woods. I'm not saying that either of us had him over Trey McBride um, as prospects, but we both had our tight end two loves, and his was Dorsich, mine was Jelani Woods. Um, he was more right in terms of what they showed in their rookie year. Um, he was tight end 26 in August, DLF ADP, tight end 27 in season finish, and tight end 18 in um, points per game. He had that stretch where he was really good, and then he got injured, and there, there was a whole spiral. But the reason I put him, him on here is he had that good stretch with a bad offense. Like, that That offense just wasn't working for a good portion of this season. We had um, Russell Wilson not being brilliant. Um, Nathaniel Hackett got fired. You've also got um, Cortland Sutton didn't look like his previous self when he was at his, his current peak. Um Jerry Judy started to get into rhythm at the end of the season, who's a massive buy for me at the moment. But Greg Dorsich is a guy that could really take off from a Wilson step up and that overall offense stepping up. My concern is his upside. And I think that I only see a Fryermuth style upside where he's going to be a consistent tight end six to 12 range on a on a season, I don't think he's ever going to be considered elite or even be thought of to be able to jump into that tier like a TJ Hawkinson was. Um, I think that he's a he's going to be another Pat Frymuth at best um, and at worst, I think that he's just going to hover around what he's doing now. Do you think that he can take a step up and become a Pat Frymuth uh, 2.0 essentially in terms of fantasy career? Where it's, do you sit on, on him? It, it's it's difficult. I I have sort of my reservations, and I'm I'm usually slightly pessimistic on on sort of tight ends generally, especially the lower end or sort of mid to low tier tight ends. Uh, the reason why Delchich is even on this list is because the whole preseason hype with Albert O, and I think everyone thought that Albert O yeah. was going to go to the moon. That's why it, when people saw Delchich on on the, almost on the field for the first time, they're like, "Who is this guy?" But he, he, I agree with you. He took his opportunity and he created, he carved a little bit of a, of a of a role for himself in that offense. And again, I agree. The offense was weak. It was poor. Uh, Russell Wilson was nowhere near what we expected. Um, and I can only hope that that was the bottom of that offense in the sense that that offense can only improve from here. But there are two other mouths that they might need to feed again next year. And this is a fit Javante Williams coming back um, and also Tim Patrick. I'm not sure if Tim Patrick is a um, restricted or a free agent. It's something I might need to just double check. But I've always been a big fan of Tim Patrick as sort of a really late sleeping wide receiver. Maybe that's why this is a bit more of my narrative. But I do think that with Cortland Sutton, with Jerry Judy, with someone like a Patrick as a wide receiver three, and then you've got Javante Williams. I, I just, I can't see, I can't see, similar to what you said, I can't see elite production. Maybe a similar situation to Frymouth where there's a Najee Harris and there are three decent wide receivers. So yes, but again, I think the coach is going to be important who sort of comes in. 
Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not over the moon about Delchich. Um, so I, I would probably say Pat Frymuth 2.0 is is maybe a fair reflection. If not, I, I still think he's a, a slightly lesser Pat Frymuth. Oh yes, he is at the moment. But I'm yeah. saying his his upside yes. is Pat Frymuth on a consistent basis. Uh, I mean, when we look that's at the, best, the that's the best, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that, that's why, yeah, that's where I'm going with that. Um, yeah. I mean, he spent the first five weeks injured, uh, didn't play a single snap, wasn't active for any of those games, and that's why when he came in week six, we had already seen Albert O wasn't really showing anything, um, and then week six to eight, just before the bye, when he played, he was the tight end five in points per game over that time, or tight end three if you just look at those games. But there was obviously bye weeks during those games. That's why I'm looking at an average. Um, but then when you look over the season, he obviously ended it um, by going on IR. You mentioned Tim Patrick. Um, he's coming back. He is a, um, a Bronco confirmed. He, he will be under contract unless they want to take a massive um, dead cap hit to get rid of him and then have to replace him for more money than it would take to keep him on the roster. Um, and the same with Cortland Sutton. They both got quite big cap hits and they're not really um, cuttable unless they unless the Broncos really want to get rid of them for whatever reason. So he's got to contend with those three options that are proven to be okay, um, if not good to, to great. Um, that, that's me throwing um, Jerry Judy in there as well as um, Javante Williams when he comes back as well. So, I, as I said, I'm not going to harp on much more about Greg Dorsage. Um, Frymuth upside, that is the, that, that's the overall. Um, Nathan, I've got Cole Komet on here. I only wanted to bring him up because he is the, the new Adam Troutman in terms of um, I know that sounds like I brought him up because he's a saint. I promise you I didn't. However, um, in terms of in the off-season, in a, a year two off-season where they kind of showed a little bit as a rookie, um, I don't even think Adam Troutman showed that much, but they showed a little tiny bit as a rookie, a little bit of a glimmer. The dynasty community hops onto them in their first off-season um, uh, as a veteran. And then they get wiped out in year two and they don't do much. I mean, that's a bit hard to commit. He did have that stretch, but it was a lot of touchdowns during that stretch. It wasn't like he was breaking the game. Yeah. He was the tight end 19 in points per game overall. He did sit, end as the tight end 11 in season finish, which is interesting because I know a lot of people will probably just look at that season finish and won't really put together that there's a few guys that will jump up into that tight end top 12 tight ends when you look at a points per game um version of it but i think i don't know whether a lot of people have really put together that cole Komet wasn't brilliant um or as as good as his season-long finish says i think with those touchdowns that's probably going to come down i mean i'm going to expect a little bit of a jump in his upside um, from a yardage point of view, because I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I have a feeling the Bears are going to trade the 101 and then try and put weapons around Justin Fields. Don't think they're going to draft a lot of um, defense, or when I say a lot, I mean 
primarily defense with a few random bits thrown in for offense. I think that it's going to be a very even draft. They're going to try and get a lot of picks because they traded a lot away. Um, I'm still questioning the Chase Claypool trade, but that's that's another podcast. I'm not even going to talk about that right now. Um, but I think that they're going to put a lot of weapons around Justin Fields. I think that's also going to help Cole Komet because when you look at who Justin Fields had to throw last year, it was Cole Komet, it was Darnell Mooney for a small portion of the season, Equinemius St. Brown was their leading receiver for a good portion of um, the season as well. You had Velas Jones, who was a third-round rookie that was 25 by the time he'd even taken a staff in the league and still was kind of being pushed towards the point, the punts and the kick returns, and yet still did something for them on offense. They just had nothing there. They even traded for Nikhil Harry for a like, conditional seventh, I think it was, that had one amazing catch and that was it. I think yeah. they're going to put loads more around Justin Fields and I think that's going to help. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. And I, and I hope for Fields' case they do that. And I think the, the one thing that, that I've just been thinking since like so, sort of speaking about Komet is the Bears to me are a team that sort of baffles me because I feel... I feel they they think they're one of the best one one teams ever in the sense that I didn't get much of a feeling that they were terribly upset with how their season was and 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 maybe they're not as vocal sort of on the social media bandwagon, but they had obviously that glimmer of hope with fields and his running and his athletic ability, and I think they all sort of dove into that narrative throughout the season about the bears and how we've got the best rushing quarterback under the sun, so there was a lot of positive hype for a team that ended up with the one o one and I think if you as you said very clearly there if you look at the receivers there's nothing there there's absolutely nothing there to talk about so you've got a situation where everyone was sort of trying to piece things together and saying well how how is this offense working it, it either has to be commit or fields because no one's catching passes here so and and as you said commit profited massively off that sort of three game span where he had five touchdowns in the middle of the season and three games and i think i think that narrative just stuck with him uh, throughout the season when it just fizzled out again. And I think, I agree, I, I, like Komet, he can only, you hope he can only improve. He's shown that he can be a good red zone target, although it's only three weeks that he did that for. But the reality is that th- this Bears team has an incredibly big opportunity at the one-on-one. And it's obviously incredibly difficult for a franchise to commit to a quarterback, but I I do hope they stick the course with Justin Fields. I do like him as an athlete, whether he can throw other question marks. I, I, I sort of like to compare him a little bit to Jalen Hurts before Jalen Hurts became an MVP contender. Um, like Jalen Hurts, Hurts is, his improvement this year is unbelievable. And I don't think many other te- other players and quarterbacks can have that sort of glow up uh, in, in a season. So look, let's hope Fields does improve, but I do 100% agree they need the weapons and they need offensive weapons. And you'd like to think that that will coincide with Komet improving slightly. Komet was seeing consistently at least three or four sort of targets. So there is a little bit of a flaw um, but yeah, it's 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 not it's not uh, worth breaking the bank for at all. So the last guy I have on the list um, that I wanted to talk about is Mike Gesicki, and he is a free agent going into next year. Um, 
uh, I don't really know what to say about him. He had an awful season. He's he was being drafted as tight end thirteen, ended as tight end twenty four in season long, or tight end thirty six as points per game. He was unusable um, for the most part of the season, and that's with an offense that had um, that had Tyree Kill, that had Jalen Waddle, who were both top five, top ten. Um, wide receivers in any given week, and I think both ended in the season. Um, in fact, they, yeah, I remember from last week, both ended in the top 12 wide receivers for points per game across the 17 weeks. So that offense really took a step forward in the passing game. Uh, it took away from Mike Gasicki, which is something that I didn't think would happen to this extent. I just didn't think this would happen at all, really. Um, we saw Mike McDaniel get hired there, so we kind of thought maybe a Kittle kind of role will go in for, Kit, uh, for Gesicki, but no, that didn't happen. Nothing happened for him. Um, where do you kind of see Mike Gesicki going into next year, um, Nathan? He's an interesting one. He could be an easy buy because he's a free agent. Yeah, look, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I even think that the Dolphins used the franchise tag on him as well last season. Um, look, uh, it's going to be interesting where he turns up. I, I was, this time last year, when they franchise tagged him, I was always of the opinion, and this is this is probably going to crucify me uh, if, if anyone actually picks this up or makes it go viral, but I always thought Gesicki would be a great sort of heir to the Kelsey throne. I always thought Gesicki was sort of that guy that had that elite upset, like that high. I thought yeah. he would be the perfect person to just slot into that Kansas team and if Kelsey was to retire out of the blue, because I think he is one of the more explosive, offensive, attacking players. But clearly, look, we probably need a, a more in-depth Dolphins analyst almost to explain this test. But the fact that, as you say, his points per game is so low, he was on the field a lot. He must have been doing an incredibly high blocking rate. And I think that's clearly what they got him doing. And maybe that is what re- that's where your Tyree Kill and your, and your Waddles obviously reap the rewards. I would like to see, and I don't have it in front of me, how many routes he was running per game and, and how much of the passing game he was involved in compared to whether or not he was in more of a blocking position because that to me will be quite quite a big influence in my opinion and I'll probably do this homework straight after this but the reality is is I've always liked Gesicki and I do think he has a very high ceiling for a fantasy perspective and I agree with you the season was incredibly disappointing um I hope he ends up on an offense where they use him as a primarily a pass catcher and sort of filter through because I do think he can be he can be that top tier uh, tight end that people believe in. But yeah, unfortunately, he bombed so badly that I think they're going to be some serious, uh, seriously upset and bitter fantasy fans when it comes to Gesicki. Yeah, so I'm looking at the stats now for him. Um, what actually surprises me to start off with is he wasn't on the field as much as some people may think. Um, so he was on the field less than Austin Hooper was. He was on the field less than Evan Ingram, Dalton Schultz, um, Hayden Hurst, even Jeff Swain of the uh, Tennessee Titans was on more than him. Um, he had 453 snaps and all of those had above that, obviously. I think with 
Gesicki, we saw a lot more routes run from him while he was on the field. He just wasn't on the field as much. Um, so looking at his routes run per game, that would be just under 20, so 19.4. Um, so not a lot, but not indistinguishable. Yeah. It, he, it was the 20th most routes uh, in the season with 329 overall. So he did have a, a good opportunity i'd say uh, yeah. or a mediocre opportunity he just didn't produce um he only had 53 ta- uh, 52 targets sorry so that was 29th in the nfl um at the yeah. tight end so i think I th- the only other way to sort of even half explain it is that he's got two of the most explosive wide receivers in the game on the same team as him and i think for for, for a quarterback like Tua. um uh, all he needed to do was find Tyreek Hill or find Waddle and something would happen there. And even in the running game, when they sort of nestled into sort of most that, uh, and sort of Jeff Wilson, it was, it was obviously quite explosive at the time there as well. And I think, yeah, McDaniel quickly realized what uh, what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And and unfortunately, Gesicki was obviously uh, the, the piece of the offense that was redundant um, because you've got two elite wide receivers who are performing at an incredibly high level. So, look, yeah, it, it was an incredibly disappointing season. I hope he sort of finds a team that can really sort of use him. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him with the, with a proper quarterback. With uh, I'm just trying to think, even if he ends up on the Chargers with something like a Herbert, or or or, cool. or or ends up even in Cincinnati on a cheap deal with Burrow, but they've already got three incredible wide wide receivers. So it's so it's, it's sort of competing for targets, but. I I have been a Gesicki believer. I was disappointed, and I sort of hope he comes back. Sounds yeah. like sounds like you still are. Yeah, you sound like you're pumping the table to go by him. Um, <laughs> Nathan, before we get out of here, and I share the little brain teaser, do you have a dynasty tip for the listeners? Um, sure. After after the last two three years, sort of playing dynasty, what I will say is, when in doubt, go wide receiver. Go wide receiver when in doubt. Don't hesitate. Just don't don't double think about that running back. Go wide receiver and and build a long term foundation. There you go. Um, so the brain teaser for this week, listeners, is in wide receiver rankings. Where would Travis Kelsey rank? And I'll let um, I'll let Nathan have a guess at that in a minute. So if Travis Kelsey was a wide receiver. Um, with the 2022 season just gone, where would he rank? Uh, we'll do both points per game and season long because that's what I've done throughout the entirety of this um, series. I will point out I'm only using weeks 1 to 17 as usual, and they are different ranks. So it's not the same rank for both points per game and season long. Nathan, you can feel free to have a guess. I'm not going to tell you whether you get it right or not. <laughs> feel free to have a guess. I would say season finish. Um, I would say he would be wide receiver four points per game. I would say he would be wide receiver seven. Okay. Nathan, like everyone else, you're going to have to listen in next week to see whether you got it right. But uh, until next week, guys, that's brilliant. Thanks, Nathan, for all your help this week. Um, we'll see you next week and remember always just, just take the wide receiver just take the wide receiver see you later
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.